Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Sometimes in life you make mistakes and it takes a brave person to admit those mistakes. What follows are three brilliant takes on the most underrated player in the Premier League and a pretty hopeless one. I'm Ben Snowball, proud owner of that hopeless take, and I was comprehensively overshadowed by Carrie Dunn, Marcus Foley and Pete Sharland in the debate. Thanks to everyone who sent in their underrated players. We'll come to a few of those later in the show. For now, though, you're listening to Game of Opinions from Eurosport. Enjoy. We're back and ready to unload some more rogue opinions. Let's dive straight in. Carrie, you're first up. Who is the most underrated player in the Premier League? Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you Aston Villa's Conor Harahan, who is the most underrated player in the Premier League. Now, okay, Villa are pretty terrible and no one ever talks about anybody there apart from Jack Grealish. But Harahan is overlooked, ignored, even by his own manager. Dean Smith talked about him in February saying he's been starved of minutes. Yeah, because you're not picking him and you should be because he can contribute vital goals. He brings a vital element of aggression to the midfield and his sheer hard work and industry makes him invaluable, particularly for a side in Villa's position. So yes, Hurahan. Absolutely beautiful start. Marcus Foley, who are you going for? Round for Emi Buendia of Norwich. Um, basically, they're bottom of the table. Yeah, he's contributed seven assists this thus far this season towards their 25 goals, which is roughly 30%. Um, that's fourth in the league, only behind Kevin De Bruyne, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Riyad Mahrez. And he's also produced, I think it's 73 chances, which is, again, is fourth in the league uh, behind um, De Bruyne, Alexander Arnold and James Madison. Basically, he's producing a championship challenging stats in the worst team in the league. So he's class. Pete Charland. Look, it's very simple. Goalkeepers are the most underrated position in football. No one gives them any credit apart from when they make a mistake. As far as goalkeepers this season are concerned, the best of the bunch is arguably Vincent Guaita of Crystal Palace. He's the most underrated player in the Premier League this season. Okay, and completing the lineup is my pick now. This is probably a good chance to dive deep into the unsung teams of the Premier League, your Watfords, your Bournemouths, even your Arsenals. But I panicked and I've picked Tottenham's Lucas Moura. Now, this seems ridiculous putting Lucas Moura up against uh, the three you've discussed. I just presumed you'd all go for big players um, who have kind of been kind of just kept on kind of under wraps. Uh, But that hasn't happened. So anyway, I'll still make my case, but I'm sure I'm going to be absolutely savaged here. Um, 
basically, Lucas Moura has done more for Tottenham than Harry Kane and Son Heung-min in terms of trying to deliver a trophy. It was him who nearly carried Spurs to the Champions League title. His hat-trick against Ajax was more important than anything individual that Kane or Son have done. And he's criminally misused. Um, He's shunted from substitute to lone striker to winger, depending on who's available, depending on which injuries. How is anyone meant to cope with that? I admit he's not had the best season, but for a player who was once turning on for PSG and only shafted out for Neymar, I think he's really actually neglected in the conversation. He never crops up in transfer stories. Um, And for me, Lucas Moura, for that reason, is... I mean, I'm somewhat reluctant to say it now, but the most underrated uh, underrated player in the Premier League. Um, I can start with this. Uh, the inherent issue you have here, Snowball, is that underrated means that they're good and no one's talking about it. Lucas Moore is not that good a player. It's really as simple as that. I, uh, again, I say I'm, I'm gonna say, my argument's going to drift apart as soon as I heard all you three speak and like players, and I was like, oh, that's a great shout. Carrie, oh, that's a great shout. Pete, that's a great shout. Me, not so. Um I do think he's a great player. I just think he's a bit burnt out this season. He's played so many minutes because he's had to kind of kind of carry this Tottenham's team on his back. There's no Kane, there's no Son. And he's just running himself into the ground. But there's one constant with Tottenham as they're falling apart, and that is Lucas and admittedly Giovanni Lacelso chasing round, um, trying to win the ball back. I'm going to go with Pete. Uh, he's pretty one-dimensional to be underrated. Um, and to be fair, like uh, he, he's had good moments, but they're just moments. They're fleeting moments. And I think he's more been unlucky than underrated. Yeah, he probably should have started the Champions League final, but that doesn't mean he's underrated. Okay, and I should probably introduce a new element. Um, loads of you have actually been getting in touch with your underrated players too. We'll come, uh, we'll come to them in a moment. Uh, but we are going to have a stick or twist at the end of this. So I'll go through Marcus, Carrie, Pete and myself. We'll have an opportunity to either stay with our picks or swap to someone else's or someone that the fans suggested. And I'm saying now that I'm 100% twisting. So I don't think we need to pick apart Lucas Moura uh, anymore. Uh, that's already been done for us, I think, by my terrible arguments. Um, let's turn to Pete Charland um, and Whiter. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. All we know him for is dropping the ball in the net against Sheffield United. Yeah, and admittedly, he'd be the first to admit that that was a terrible, terrible mistake. The caveat to that is A, that it was a terrible day at Selhurst Park for keepers. It was so windy then. And also, that is pretty much the only mistake he has made so far this season. Like, case in point, you listen to Roy Hodgson speaking after the game. He came out immediately and said that after the game, Kawaita came into the dressing room. He said, look, lads, I've cost us three points there. I'm so sorry. And the universal reaction from the from Hodgson, from the coaching staff, from the players was that, look... Mate, if it wasn't for you, we would be considerably further down the table with considerably fewer points. The fact that we are where we are is largely down to you. Palace know that they've got an absolute steal of a goalkeeper who they picked up for free from Catafe in 2018. He's kicked out Wayne Hennessy, who was one of the most inconsistent keepers going in the Premier League as far as I'm concerned. He's now established himself as first choice. There was even talk before the coronavirus hit that he might have been called up to Spain. You look at the way David De Gea and Kepa Aritha Bagalaga have been playing this year. There is no doubt that the best Spanish keeper in the Premier League has been Guaita. And he's probably been up there with Alisson this season. I think Alisson's the stretch, to be fair. Um, I also think he probably benefits from the fact that Hennessy was pretty poor for a number of seasons. So you've sort of got that comparison between the two, which probably gives him a little bit more credit in the bank than he deserves he's good he's a great shot stopper but as you say he's dropped one in the net how good is he is he in your opinion how good is he as an all-round keeper like 
I've heard things about him being a great shot stopper, but in terms of generally, like you look at Allison, Allison is absolutely class at everything. Yeah. So the big the big question mark for goalkeepers is when you move from a club like if you were to leave, leave a club like Palace and go to a club like Liverpool, you're playing a very different game all of a sudden. It's very difficult to judge. It was one of the big critiques of Joe Hart's game when he was at City. For me, Guaita could step up if he needed to. He could fulfil the Adrian role, which has come in as a great lower a lower uh, level keeper and be the backup for someone like an Allison and step in and not look too out of place. Obviously, Adrian's game against Atletico aside, he's good with his feet. On his debut, Premier League debut against Leicester, he had a very hairy moment with Jamie Vardy. He was lucky to get away with a foul being given there. But apart from that, he's good at the ball at his feet. He's surprisingly comfortable coming for the ball in the air as well. There's obviously this big stereotype about keepers that come from Spain. The way De Gea was treated when he first came in, you, they can't take the ball in the air. Guaita's got no issues with that. He's very happy coming through. He doesn't always catch it, sometimes punches, but he does come through. He does make himself known. He's throwing himself in front of everything. He's got no bravery concerns whatsoever. And as far, there were quotes um, from Scott Dan who said that whilst his English isn't 100% fluent, it's more than good enough and his communication skills are good. And if that's the centre-half saying that, then that's good enough for me as far as I'm concerned. Concern. I think he's he's someone who, when he came through, when he was a kid at Valencia, he was behind Santi Canizares. There were issues there with his agent feeding him false information that caused him to leave the club. And he had obviously a lot of injury problems throughout his career. But he's finally sort of showing what he we thought he could have been sort of 10, 12 years ago. And I think he's more than good enough to step up to a bigger club if that came in, uh, if, if one came in for him. That's a pretty passionate monologue there for, um, for Guy to uh, carry. I don't think you can get away with just sipping your uh, your Arsenal mug of tea. Um, loads of players in this division have two goals and three assists. What is it that makes Halrahan so special and under uh, underappreciated? I think the thing about Halrahan is that he's come through from lower division football. He's done that journey from bottom of the bottom tier up to the Premier League. And that doesn't happen so much anymore, although it did kind of 10, 15 years ago. And I think that's partly what's contributed to him being underrated by even his own manager. I think a lot of people are kind of looking at, you know, Danny Drinkwater, John McGinn, Jack Grealish as the first choice midfielder at Villa because they've got names, they've got this kind of top tier reputation. Whereas Harahan hasn't. He says that he's relied on his hard work all of the time. And I think... In terms of you know, just looking at the sheer stats, particularly this season, they haven't been great. He hasn't had as many minutes, but he was the one who marshaled that midfield to Villa's promotion last, last year. He's been absolutely crucial in a lot of the Ireland matches in recent months as well. And so I think that is why, this is what I'm picking Harahan, is that he's under the radar, I guess, as well as underrated. He doesn't get the attention he deserves. And I wonder whether he, if he's given a longer run in the Villa team, he might not be underrated. He'd actually get noticed and appreciated for what he actually does rather than getting a few minutes here and there as sub, as he does at the moment. Why do you think Dean Smith isn't playing him as much, Gary? I really don't know. If I knew that, then maybe I would be Aston Villa manager. Who knows? But um, I think partly it's because of the way that they're playing, the system they're playing. So they've got three spots in midfield. Grealish and McGinn have sewn up two. They're two the first choices. And then Drinkwater being the big name came in in January on loan and he's pretty much taken the third. But what Dean Smith has done, he keeps bringing Harahan on for kind of 10 minutes here, 20 minutes there, and then saying, oh, he's really made a difference. He's played well. And then not giving him the chance in the first team afterwards. It makes no sense to me. Okay, Carrie, that's another staunch defence. Let's move on to Marcus Foley and the case for Buendia. 
Now, he looks lovely in a YouTube highlights package, Foley. We know that a lot of attacking midfielders do. Why is he not the new Andros Townsend or Nathan Redmond? A lot of flashy ability, but less end products as, as he kind of grows on. Well, I'd, I'd probably point you to the stats I, I reeled off at the start. Fourth best number of assists in the Premier League in a team that have scored the least goals in the league joint with Newcastle. They've scored 25 goals. He's assisted seven times. He's produced the fourth most chances in the league. And he's doing that at a team who, yes, tried to play expansive football. But realistically, if you played with a higher calibre of player, that would be a lot easier. So my point is he will get a move this summer, I'm pretty sure. He will be relatively cheap because he's flown under the radar. And then in retrospect, this season that is already unbelievably underrated will look even more so when he starts pulling out championship-level stats at championship-level challenging teams. So you think if he goes to a team, say, challenging for the Champions League, that it'll slot in there and keep it going? Yes, because one of the big risks when you sign for a team who are fighting relegation is typically they will play a brand of football that you won't have played for a team challenging for the top four. So then the transition is a bit more difficult. So if you play in a team, say Crystal Palace, for Pete's example, who are fairly direct and they go long a lot of the time, and then you move from there, having played well, and play for, say, someone, I don't know, Manchester United or a Chelsea, for example, with a more expansive approach, then that's a difficult transition. But Buendia, he already plays in a team who try to play like that. So the transition should be a lot smoother than other players. And he's got the talent. Like He, he was at Real Madrid as a, in the youth team. Then he went to Catafe. Now he's come to Norwich. I mean, he's talented. The transition will be easy. He's done it in the Premier League already. He was superb in the championship. Yeah, I think he's low-risk signing in the summer. I'm going to fight my corner for Guaita, but I love Emi Buendia. He is so good. Like My concern, what I would say to counter Foley is that in many ways, I don't know if he is underrated. It depends on what corner of the internet you're living on these days, but I reckon that there are more than enough people talking about him. He's definitely, given the way that you so beautifully reeled off the stats at the start of this conversation, he is definitely the stats junkie's choice, I would say. The numbers are obviously brilliant. My worry would be whether, is it as simple as you plug him into a team with a better striker than Norwich have got and a slightly better, where they're under pressure less of the time and he will start producing numbers? Or is he simply benefiting from the fact that he is basically Norwich's most creative player by country mile? And if he was in a team where there are more creative options as well, would he then slightly fall by the wayside? Um, perhaps, perhaps. But by nature, the team will create more chances. So he will be in the mix anyway. Yes, he, he's Norwich's most creative player. But I think in a better team, the runs are better, the balls into him are better, he starts off in better positions. So that sort of counters the argument of, like, will he see less of the ball? He might see less of the ball, but he'll see more quality ball. Fair enough. Now, of course, we're not the only ones to have opinions on this. Loads of you got in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram with your most underrated players. Thanks for that. Um, it would be great to get your guys' thoughts on some of the players here. Um, Alex Burke's got in touch. He says Dwight McNeil of Burnley. I love I love Dwight McNeil. I mean, given what we all thought about Sean Dyke and Burnley as a whole, the idea that it was like sign twenty eight year olds plus English traditionally very very route one sort of football, no interest in developing young players whatsoever. The way, as a club, that they've redeveloped their entire academy, they picked up McNeil when I think when he was fourteen or fifteen, I can't remember, but they brought him through, they developed him, and now he's the standard bearer for the rest of this academy. When Burnley got promoted. They were, had the worst academy in the Premier League by a mile. They were level three, which is like down with some of the uh, clubs in League One and stuff like that. They've really invested in it, to, them, to be fair. And I think it's paying off with McNeil. And I think he's going to be the first of many. 
So Stephen Locking and Aaron Turkington have also got in touch. They're saying James Milner's Liverpool. Now, personally, I don't think he's underrated. I think he's, you know what you're getting with him. Six, seven out of 10 performances and he can slot into a side in multiple positions. But Carrie, do you have any thoughts on Milner and whether he is underrated? Yeah, I don't think Milner would have been out of place in our discussion that we had last week about who should be player of the year. I think his importance to the squad is absolutely crucial. Um, as you say, his versatility is is probably the, the, the main role that he plays there. Um, I think he is underrated perhaps a little bit in that he's not necessarily flashy. He gets on with the job that he's given to do and he, and he just does it. He's not necessarily the most exciting player to watch or to listen to quite a lot of the time. But I do think that he is an absolutely fantastic player. And uh, yeah, good shout for, for underrated. And finally, Marcus, uh, Emran Bentaleb says... Fred of Manchester United. Now, he's, of course, coming for a lot of criticism. Um, not much this season, but previously, previous seasons, particularly last season. Um, and he's definitely come on. But would you say he's underrated? Um, oh, go on. I mean, it's all about sort of expectations. He came in with huge expectations. He didn't get much game time. Those expectations fell dramatically um, to the point where I think he might have been booed and stuff. And then he's come back into the team and his level has stepped up is it 50 million pounds worth level maybe not so I think it's probably difficult to say he's underrated um just by nature of the um at a price tag but he's certainly improved if we're having a conversation about the most improved player in the league this year he'd definitely be in there but underrated I think it's a bit of a push okay thanks everyone uh, we do have to reach a conclusion this week last week we managed to uh, manage to swerve this so it's time to stick or twist. Are you going to stick with who you picked or are you going to change to what someone that one of us guys said or one of the fans uh, mentioned? Uh, we'll start with Pete Charland. Goalkeepers union, I'm afraid. I'm sticking with Guaita. No one gives goalkeepers any sort of respect they deserve. He's the most underrated player in the Premier League. No doubt about it. Carrie? Uh, sticking, obviously. Hashtag Team Harahan. Marcus, I think I know which way this is going. Uh, I'm afraid I'm going to have to stick. <laughs> obviously. Um, Brilliant. We're not coming to a massive conclusion. So it basically comes to me for the casting vote. Now, you're probably not expecting me to stick with Lucas Moura, and you'd be correct. I'm actually being swayed by Pete Sharn's argument for Guaita of Crystal Palace. There was a one-minute monologue, and I can't say I listened to it all, um, but there was, a, there was a point where you just saw in his eyes this absolute passion, something that he genuinely believed and wasn't just reading off a sheet of um, A4. So I think Pete Sharn, by virtue of my casting vote, wins it. Two votes to one to one. Thank you very much. Appreciate that, Ben. Well, I think what we can all say is that never again are we going to take Sheffield United v Burnley on Monday Night Football for granted. Uh, it's really weird adapting to this world without football. Um, but all that's left to say is you've been listening to Game of Opinions from Eurosport. Uh, if you could take five minutes of your time to do rate and share this podcast, that would be absolutely cracking. Thanks to Carrie, Marcus and Pete. Over and out. 